The year was 450 before Christ. The young Socrates of Athens did an internship at the famed Eupalinus Architecture Office in Anjus, Lisbon. During this year, the to-be philosopher dedicated his free time to the broad question of the education of an architect, starting with what must the architect learn. In doing so, he came to develop his Socratic method, decomposing a broad question into a series of subsequent questions. This obviously fictional scenario offers the frame to this small radio show where questions, coming from you, our listeners, will help us gain a better understanding of the makings of the education of an architect. My name is Francisco Moraveiga, and I'll be asking your questions to a group of interested, interesting and inspiring people. Each show, a new question. Welcome to When Socrates Was an Architect. Welcome to the third episode of When Socrates Was an Architect. I'm your host, Francisco Moraveiga. On today's show, we'll be looking into the question posed by Vanessa Grunig, a student at the ETH Zurich Master's Program. I wonder not only about what an architect must learn, but what must he teach? What does teaching architecture mean for you? Is it a tool set, an instruction manual for an uncertain future? or much rather a certain point of view that you want to pass on to future architects. To which degree do you want to see us play with your approach, turn it around or apply it in practice? This composite question points out a number of possibilities when approaching teaching and learning. The toolkit, the master, the content. But the underlying question seems to me to be, which professor are you? Vanessa specifically asked me to pose a question to architecture professors. And so I did. Carla Joaçaba, Valia Medina, and Keith Kramvide. Three very different personalities, but equally inescapable figures in my own map of teaching references, shared with us their positions on this question. I called London to talk to Carla Joaçaba, a Brazilian architect with an extremely rich career since 2000, with a wide range of projects, including one of the Vatican chapels built in 2018 on the occasion of the Venice Biennale, and a prolific research and academic activity which took her to Harvard, Columbia and currently to her design studio at Mendrisio in Switzerland. Let's hear what Carla had to say. Yes, thank you for the invitation. It's a very good question. Uh, I think our discipline at this moment needs uh, reflections and should be should prefer, prepare for changes because I think... Um, other, this other disciplines should be part of our structure, education, geography, sociology. That I think it's a moment that uh, uh, this should be not only uh, events or invitations, as, as I'm also doing in my studio in Mendrisio, but should be part of our discipline because we have to design together an artificial and manufactured landscape where man, nature, and infrastructure should coexist. So to make this happen, to coexist, is to, to, uh, to join this discipline again and, and be together working. And uh, I think it's been a fantastic experience in, in Mendrisio to invite geographers, sociologists. But it's a moment, it's not really part of the discipline, it's a, it's a lecture, it's something, it's fascinating. I think students, they get fascinated, but... Uh, I think it's uh, it's not enough. <laughs> so, um, and I think we should understand uh, 
uh, I don't know. I think the studio, f- for for sure, for me, it's a place for experimental space where I want to see diversity. So it's not uh, something that I expect them to do. I think it's it's a place for for experiment uh, experimentation, and um, and that's that's what sometimes they find very difficult because it's. Uh, it's too free <laughs> they get <laughs> so um, but uh, what I want to say is that uh, uh, and I uh, emphasize this in a studio in a way is that a design is not a drawing or a visual composition but I think any idea each line or it, any architectural design represents an action a material transformation and a ge- geographical transformation that's the point of the studio of the the projects in general uh, there's a sentence of the indigenous leader and writer Aito Krenak Brazilian he's Brazilian and he the sentence is on the wall of our studio is stepped gently on the ground and I think it's very significant because our first action when we build this is to transform the grounds and so we have to be very sensitive about this very first action and the consequences of it. So I think the architectural design should be understood as an action over a territory, as an action that creates an artificial landscape. It doesn't matter the scale or the context. I suppose I suppose this is already happening, as I, I said in Andresio, the seminar in our uh, studio, but it's, it should be really part of the of the discipline, this this uh, communication. I think, I mean, we have uh, already, uh, for example, uh, fantastic thinkers and, and of uh, Gilles Clément, Bruno Latour, but I think, for example, Gilles Clément in, her, in his, in his uh, discipline of landscape, it's, it's really different and fantastic how he thinks the, the, the planetary garden. But how, how do we, as architects, that we do projects, we have to destroy because in a way we are destroying always now. But the, the, there's a sentence of, of Caesar that says uh, construct is to destroy. But I, I, I think we have to rethink this sentence and say construct is to coexist. And, and I was wondering how to, how to do this planetary together with this planetary garden how can we work together with this planetary garden and that's the question i don't have an answer but this is a question this is this is about being sensible with this and in about joining these disciplines i think there is freedom in the studio but there is a certainty of the need for change as well meaning the current mindset is not the right one this offers constraint already but it does not necessarily mean it precludes students from finding their own answers Maybe the professor acts as someone who offers non-imposing guidelines rather than someone who enforces rules. The professor has doubts as well. Coming closer to home, I spoke to Valle Medina, a strong young voice in the redefinition of both teaching and practice in architecture through Palace, the Basel London-based studio she leads together with Benjamin Reynolds, and High Holdings, the design studio both direct at the Royal College of Arts in London. Sitting by a lake overlooking the Swiss Alps, Valle expands on the professor as a conveyor of doubt by blurring the line between teaching and learning. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a very comprehensive question. I will mm-hmm. probably go from, from the top and slowly going to the end of the, of the different points. Um, in regards to 
uh, what an architect must learn, but also what he or her must teach. Uh, well, I believe that anyone creating today must learn to be able to discern all the information and all the, the registers that, that enters through our senses. I'm interested personally in identifying our new sensibilities to, to discern with this, these massive changes that we are, we are witnessing. Um, to do so, also, it's important to utilize our own biological tools. Too. So I believe that once we discover uh, together um, which, which, um, which biological tools those are, then we can pass on this knowledge to others. In that sense, learning today is a lot about avoidance without being prote protectionist. It's a lot about navigation, I think, and about critiquing our own reflexes in order to go against uh, the grain of what is given. I also think it's timely to learn to tolerate difference. I would say that we must learn to regard to regard everything that precede, precedes us without being fully indoctrinated by it. And in regards of what, what means for teaching for me personally, well, teaching is a continuous revision of these learning moments. It's about uh, negotiation between history and the con contemporary thought. For me, it's also the creation of a factory of interestingness. So in that sense, things like briefs are the generators and also are relevant pieces of text, let's say, that open worlds that otherwise would be dormant or unexplored. And with every brief, um, there is a question posed, let's say, that actually I have no answer for. Um, so there is always a sense of adventure, uh, of working into questions that might have different lateral answers. Uh, and each of these answers might form an individual project. That's what I find the most exciting. And also, yeah, within this, the different questions posed, uh, there is a question of the tool set and the instruction manual, uh, the relevance of teaching maybe for all for passing on knowledge to a new generation. Um, well, the first thing is that I, I'm very skeptical of instruction manuals when it, something new needs to, needs to be formed. So in that sense, there are no recipes, and that's the exciting part. For me, the, the teaching thing is a practice of transmission. Um, most often than not, actually begins with the radical simplicity of a single sentence that might be formulated individually. In that sense, every individual project requires uh, different attention. And it's relevant to train, I think, to identify nuances that would, so in order to, to refine our eye, because more often, most often I think that it's easy to, to let go of, of a small, a smaller details might actually mean either being something visual, something textual, material, etc. It's about refinement. Um, in regards to the last question, I mean, this one was an interesting question because it implies a certain geometrical almost uh, reading of it. So, yeah, you're talking about turning something around, playing with it. So what I tend to do uh, is to put out on, on the table a sort of provocation, which might have an inherent geometry to it. Um, and the geometry of a provocation is never one directional. It's uh, at first, I think that we are often blinded to the discern which is the front or the back of it. So that's something that we need to discover together somehow, uh, which how to look at it and how to, how to digest it. 
Another thing is important to say that I don't see really a split between this provocation or this theory or this question and its practice. To comprehend that provocation is by practicing it, uh, either by embodying it personally or by um, being in contact with those that withhold the experience. So in that sense, I get always very excited when at some point, I don't know, a collection of things like a war, a sentence, a material, or a measurement type, all suddenly all together make sense and um, forming something very rigorous. You know, that is, let's say, the basis for, for an architectural project, a space. Um, it's, this only takes place after careful consideration over time. And then sort of a new rationale is formed. Teaching is learning, which places a professor away from the position of a master bring him to a rather equal stand on the search for answers to a possible present and future. There are no recipes, as teaching is rather a process of individual translation, or provocation even. Above all, a process of joint discovery between the student and the professor. A common notion seems to emerge from Carla's and Valle's answers. Teaching is sharing doubts and setting loose frames which allow the questioning of the now. So, where's the master? I took a quick leap to just south of San Francisco to ask Keith Kremvide, educator extraordinaire, having taught at Berkeley, MIT, Yale, Rice, Otis, and currently the Dean of the Architecture Department at the California College of the Arts, what his reply to Vanessa's question was. I like the idea in the question of an incomplete toolset, because I think architecture itself is an incomplete toolset, uh, always being added to, always growing, uh, old tools being thrown away or transformed. Uh, but it's really that incomplete tool set's a really nice way of thinking about one, what one can provide as a teacher to a student. I am entirely suspicious of the master pupil model. Uh, it obviously has resulted in the transfer of, of, uh, let's say cachet or status, uh, between uh, a respected elder, um, and a talented protege. Um, but I think in this moment, it doesn't serve us well because I don't think the, the mentor necessarily um, has the vision to see the problems that the protege will face in the future. And so to try to transfer a specific kind of formal approach or uh, conceptual, appro conceptual approach even, um, ultimately, I think would leave students disadvantaged mm -hmm. uh, as they move out in the world. Uh, so for me, it doesn't, however, mean that there's not critical skills that we have to teach and fundamental skills, uh, drawing skills, what's yeah. that? No, I asked which one would this be a, but go on, go on. I think, I think, you know, increasingly, I think a capacity to communicate, which means a capacity to draw, uh, a capacity to draw critically using the, the techniques that the discipline, uh, reveres and has codified. Uh, as tools both, you know, in some ways, most useful as tools of analysis, as we approach a situation, as we approach a set of issues, um, as we investigate questions, those disciplinary skills actually afford us a means of, of digging deep and communicating with fellow architects, which I think is really critical. Um, but they also have to be taught in such a way that they're understood to be pliable and adaptable, mm -hmm. you know, that... Um, that a student, uh, I mean, I actually prefer to think of students as young architects, as a young architect begins to have uh, uh, both skills and frames of mind 
um, growing sense of confidence, which I think, you know, confidence is connected to capacity and capacity is connected to knowledge and skill and technique and method. Um, so I think the specific methods, techniques, knowledge, skills that we teach change a little bit, but the core remains pretty solid. But then as those young architects start to have a greater sense of their own agency because they have greater confidence, um, they're going to be asking questions that I would not ask because I, I don't have their lived experience. You know, um, I'm in my 50s, they're in their 20s. Um, the urgency of all the shit that's happening in the world right now affects me differently than it does a 20 year old. You know, they're looking out across a future where um, even more trouble is going to land on them, sadly. I do fundamentally believe that architecture is a political act. There's always a political act. You're either like, know that as you work or you're blind to the powers that move your hand on the on the mouse so to speak so that's also a critical part of teaching for me and it's one thing we're trying to cultivate at cca is a, a kind of you know socially and politically oriented um, mindset among a creative uh, group of i think increasingly activist oriented young people and before we started the interview right about um, the ego uh, of certain architects. Um, ego is really critical, of course, but one has to be, I think, egoless in, in understanding how your work could support and enable and um, ally with the interests of others who will likely never have access to power. You know, I think architects have more access to power than they realize. And if you, if you stay local, um, you even have a greater opportunity to connect with um, you know, those who can turn ideas into action. As a teacher, you also have to remain receptive to what you see happening with your students in their lives and in their interests. Yeah. And so, as I was describing before, this kind of, you know, growing activist interest among our students, um, we're also seeing that come with a growing desire to more immediately be able to make change in the world, which being smart people, they recognize as having like to not to scale your ideas down, <clears throat> but to find the point at which you can, your ideas can actually engage the world now. Yeah. And I think that's really critical is in, in teaching also is how do you make a space in teaching for the student to um, understand their own intention and, and have intentionality in their work? Uh, and I, this is something that, that I struggle with. Like I do think there are moments in a curriculum of architecture when one has to be prescriptive in order for skills to be delivered. And for students to sort of understand like the value of different tools sure. uh, in the work. And so it, and it can be challenging to do that if you're also trying in that moment to like intensely cultivate the student's own uh, interest, intentions, ideas, you know? And so what I've started to think more is that you need to have a kind of back and forth where you go from prescriptive uh, exercises to exercises that are more wide ranging and where you're more likely to be just like, you know, turning the students' attention to different things and asking them, like, like, how do you address this, right? Where are you in this problem? Or where are the others? How do you engage those who are writing? Teaching is definitely about providing a tool set as you look at this situation or that situation. And so that's something that's, that's, that happens in our curriculum and that we're working to cultivate is that kind of oscillation. Knowing that you, you have to be able to maybe dance a little bit, that your foundation is unstable, yeah. Um, that you have to know your strengths 
You have to understand your tools. You have to recognize opportunity. Um, those moments when you can actually like use your tools and your intention to intervene, um, to make a meaningful difference in the world. Um, and I hope, and I, uh, I see it increasingly in our students that they want to make a meaningful difference in the world, that they're you know, less interested, although not uninterested, because I don't think anyone should be uninterested in, in you know, bringing your creative visions right into the world. Um, but we were talking about ego before. I think they're less interested in their uh, manifesting their ego mm -hmm. and more interested in um, manifesting change. You know, there are moments and they're the most frustrating moments for me as a parent when uh, my son is now 11, when your kid asks you like, but why? And you say, well, because, you know, you actually don't, you either don't have the time to explain, sure. which is often the case in parenting, right? Or you actually don't know. It's just because that's the way you've done it right or that's what you expect right. so we don't ever want to answer a student's question with well just because to convey core tools which allow students to better engage with their own interests and capacities to make students aware that architecture is ultimately and inescapably political at the end the figure of the professor is characterized by its non-acceptance of the absence of an answer always following up on the subsequent whys that emerge from the answers we got in this episode it seems to me that the teaching panorama has undergone quite a change since the early 2000s, when architecture was reigned over by a number of leading figures, great masters who became star architects, both in teaching and in practice. So how does this new paradigm of freedom and questioning in teaching relate to reality in practice? Maybe something to be addressed in an upcoming episode. When you have a question you would like to see answered here, just send it to me at fmvega at aforschung.com or to the Instagram page of aforschung or Radio and Camera. Until then, wishing you all the best. My name is Francisco Moreveiga and this was When Socrates Was an Architect. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under.